0: A reading from Paul's letter to the church in Rome. Just as sin came into the world through one man, and death came through sin, and so death spread to all because all have sinned. Sin was indeed in the world before the law, but sin was not reckoned is not reckoned when there is no law. Yet death exercised dominion from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sins were not like the transgressions of Adam, who is a type of the one who is to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass, for if the many died through one man's trespass, much more surely have the grace of God and the free gift in the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for the many. And the free gift is not like the effect of the one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brings justification." If, because of one man's trespass, death exercised dominion through that one, much more surely will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness exercise dominion in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, just as one man's trespass led to the condemnation of all, so one man's act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all. For just as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners... So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory Glory to you, Lord Christ. After Jesus was baptized, he was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted forty days and forty nights, and afterwards he was famished. He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited on him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. Be seated, please. When you study um, Old Testament in seminary, one of the things they tell you is that um, in the early part of the Old Testament, the first five books, first four books, there are four different authors um, who write accounts of the same thing, and then the, the editors just kind of jam those stories together. So if you read the account in Genesis of the flood, you get um, several different stories just kind of interwoven. Um, one story says that, they, that Noah put seven pairs of animals on the ark, and the other story says just one. And the people who were putting those together didn't want to decide, so they just put them together. Here we get the second of the creation stories. The first creation story is the, um, you know, seven days, let there be light, all of that. And I've never noticed before this time that by putting these stories together and putting them in the order that they're in, the, the authors or the editors of the Bible have left us a puzzle. Um, we're told that the first human beings were put down in the garden to tend it and to till it, And they were not to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, Satan, of course, comes to tempt them and says, Now, did God say you can't eat any of the fruit of the garden? No, that's not what God said. Only the tree at the middle, the knowledge of good and evil. Well, the first creation story, we're told that God looks at everything that God has made and says, It is good. And at the end of the seven days says, In fact, it is very good. So why do we need the knowledge of good and evil if everything is good? Um, So the writers of Scripture have left us a puzzle. Partly, you can read this story as a coming-of-age story, right? When we're little, we don't know the difference between good and evil. And as we grow up, um, we learn the difference between good and evil. And we also learn that we're going to have to earn our keep by the sweat of our brow after God kicks them out of the garden. They're going to have to do that. We also learn that we're naked. Um, we learn shame, and so Adam and Eve sow um, fig leaves, loincloths of fig leaves. So partly it's a coming-of-age story, but it's also a story of us taking on the role of God. Satan says, if you eat this fruit, you will be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil. But God has already said everything is good, so how do we determine good and evil? If you ever take a course in ethics, you learn all of the different forms of ethics, um, Situational ethics is the one that's been taught most recently. You know, you talk about the good of the whole, what's good for the most people, do the ends justify the means. All of those have relationship to us, what serves our purposes. And so when we go about deciding good and evil, we're really deciding it in terms of what's good for us, what's good for humanity, what's good for me. Ethics has to do with us. But God says that the human vocation is first and foremost to till and tend the garden. So I want to put it to you that perhaps we would do better if we all took courses in gardening rather than in theological ethics. Um, We would get more of the point. So let's look at the temptations of Jesus. We're told um, that Jesus was tempted in every way like we are, and yet didn't sin. The three temptations that Jesus faces are the three temptations faced by um, Israel. Um, If you read the book of Deuteronomy, and those were the guys that edited the Bible, three things that Israel did, did wrong. Forgot to thank God for the wonderful fertile land that God had given them. Every year they were supposed to come up to the place that God appointed with a basket of the first fruits of the land and say, God has given us all of this. By none of it have we earned by ourselves. Second temptation, um, dominion. God takes Jesus up the mountain and says, look at all of this. You could have all of this. Israel overstretched itself, tried to conquer other nations, shouldn't have done that. Third temptation, preservation. People in Israel were saying, as long as the temple stands, God is not going to let anything bad happen to us. And Deuteronomy says, no, if you worship other gods, um, this is what's coming. And so Jesus faces those three temptations and is not fooled. The first one, I like the first one. He's been fasting for 40 days, and we're told, in an understatement, he was famished. The youth group fasts for 40 hours, and have you ever seen us at the potluck afterwards? We're like locusts, just eat everything in sight. Yeah, he was famished. And Satan says to him, change this stone into bread. Think of it. Think of all of the good you could do. If you could change stones to bread, you could feed the world, right? Jesus, of course, later in his ministry will feed the 5,000. But he says, no, I'm not going to do it. What Satan tempts him to do is essentially the same thing the serpent tempted those first humans to do. To stand in judgment on creation. Short circuit, shortcut what God had intended. How do you feed the world? By tending and tilling the garden. Change these stones to bread. Shortcut it. Say that what God intended isn't good enough. We can do better. Of course, I wrote this sermon before um, the horrible catastrophe in Japan. And one of the aircraft carriers is steaming towards Japan loaded with rice. um, And this is a good thing. We want to feed people who are going to be facing shortages of food. We want to give water to people who are facing shortages of water. But what we really want to do is get them back to the point where they're growing their own. As you watched on TV, the tsunami sort of taking over greenhouses and and empty fields, you're thinking of all of the devastation, all of what they would be doing for themselves. We have to help them in the meantime, but get them back to um, what they're doing. We work a lot at Feed My People, um, the Peace Our purpose is to get folks back to where they're taking care of themselves. Don't shortcut what God intended. You can turn these stones Into bread. Think of what you could do. God will protect you. Throw yourself off the pinnacle of the temple and God will protect you. Short circuit what God intended. It's very hard today to talk about that protection, watching that that catastrophe in Japan, but we sort of put ourselves in judgment over the creation when we say that kind of thing shouldn't happen plate tectonics are, what plate tectonics are. You have to have it to have mountains. Um, We build our homes in funny places, and then we say to God, why did you let this happen? Well, it's not about protection. Stand in relationship with creation. The same with dominion. We could look at Libya and say, we need to be over there. Really? What's going on? How do we stand in relation to creation? The original vocation was to tend and to till creation, to bring out the divine. So we're not to stand in judgment of it. We come into Lent, and Lent is a season of penitence. We say the penitential order at the beginning of the service. Um, We judge ourselves often. Um, We say what horrible sinners we are. We need to fix this. And this tells us, no, don't stand in judgment. Tend and till the divine. Tend and till the garden. So as you think about yourself and you think about the things that you do wrong, and last week I talked about giving up chocolate, so maybe it's your diet, maybe it's exercise, whatever. Don't think of it in terms of being wrong. Ask yourself, how would I tend until my life to bring out the divine? As we think about what we do around the world or in the soup kitchens in our city, don't think about what's wrong. Ask yourself, how do we tend until this to bring out the divine? How do we give people at Feed My People what they need to do this for themselves? That's what they really want, right? How do we do that? It's not about standing in judgment, what's good and what's evil, but about bringing out the divine. The word Lent comes from the same root as our word length, and it applies to the lengthening days of spring. And they want us to believe that we're getting an extra hour of sunlight today. We're not, but the days are getting longer. There's a daffodil blooming right outside the front door. Um, We're getting antsy to be in the vegetable garden. Gardening is the way that we are supposed to relate to the world. How do we do that to bring out the divine. We want to take the shortcut. And God says, no, tend until. Don't pull that fruit off. Don't turn the stone into bread. Do it so that you bring forth the divine. How in our lives do we bring forth the divine? How in our society, how in our world do we bring forth the divine? Amen. Amen.